everybody, how, how are we doing? Yeah, good? Fantastic, good. Who's been watching a little of the uh, FIFA World Cup soccer? Yeah, we got a few, few soccer fans in here. There might be a few, the reason I think so few hands are going up is because the finals are about to start. Um, yeah, no spoilers at the end of church, please. I'm, I'm recording it, so, you know, as, as you do. Um, that last song of worship, talking about where our foundation is, in Christ, that it's, it's the love of God is our foundation, who we are. Um, man, that was good. Just, just hit me. That was good. We are talking about something that deals with that. We're talking today, the, the, the overall sermon topic is equality in Christ. Where does that equality in Christ come from? It comes from that we are loved by a God who created us, knows us, and has a great plan for us. Wow, that's good, isn't it? We've been going through the book of Ephesians, um, and we've, we've, we've talked about the, some of the historical setting. We're going to get into a little more of that. We've, we've looked at um, all the way from Ephesians 1, and now we're starting at Ephesians 5, around 25. Um, and we're going we're gonna, to, around 15, sorry. And we're going to just dive right into this in a few minutes. Um, but so far, what we've talked about, Ephesians 1 through 3, really Paul was laying a theological foundation for who we are in Christ, for salvation, for the love of God that transforms, that makes us new, that makes us who we are, okay? How we identify ourselves is in Christ, and that is the theological foundation he was laying for the Ephesian church, and the, it's a, it was a circular letter in the churches in that area, um, and when he was writing this, we know that he was imprisoned um, and that he had people there who would visit him and, and um, he, was, he continued his ministry from prison during this time. Um, and then we get in starting in chapter 4. This is where my wife Amy picked up two weeks ago. Starting in chapter 4, we jump straight into the practical. Okay, here's how you take this theological foundation and you practically live it out in your life. Because what does good theological foundation do for you if you're not going to actually apply it and live it out in your life? Everybody? Nothing, right? Zero zip. It doesn't help at all. It has to go in us. It has to transform the way we think. It has to renew our mind. It has to stir us up to action. We have to live differently. And so that's what we talked about. Um, so we looked at chapter 4, chapter 5, and now we're, we're picking up where we left off. And so today we're going to look at a fairly large section of Scripture, Ephesians 5.15, all the way through 6.8, if you'd like to open up. Um, and it's 27 verses. We're going to look at these. And we look at, we're going to look at three fundamental relationships that were in the first century Roman, Greco-Roman culture. And these, these were considered to be all under the same household. So these three funda fundamental relationships were the relationship between a husband and a wife, the relationship between parents, or it says fathers, and children, and the relationship between slaves and masters. Just let that settle in just for a second there. I have been asking God, because all of these are emotionally charged. All of these, you know, in our culture, we see it very different. And I've been asking God by the Holy Spirit 
to give me wisdom on how to communicate this in such a way that will cause us to honor and glorify God when we walk out of here. And we will see what Paul is trying to communicate to the church. Not just that we're looking at these relationships. What is he saying to us? And how do we walk away from this? You know, inspired to live for God. So Lord, help us. Help the speaker and help the hearers. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Here we go. Um, so in these verses, this passage of Scripture, over since, since they were written, have been at times mishandled, have caused strife, have caused oppression of people, of women, and of people who were taken into slavery. And have, have, has even gone to the point of condoning these things. And I just want to start by saying that that is wrong. The scripture is clear that oppressing other people is wrong. No matter what that looks like. The, the scripture says that in Christ, the love is our foundation. That in Christ we are equal. Of equal worth, of equal value. We are equal in the Lord. But he was presenting to a culture during that time which didn't have that concept yet. And he was laying the foundation for this. It's brilliant. It's amazing. His purpose in writing this letter was not to address the institutions or a hierarchical system, but it was to address how we treat, how we interact, how we love one another. And so when we are going to get into this in a little bit, I'm going to give a lot, of, a lot of intro. When we get there, that's the, the view we're looking at. That's how we're going to process this information and go through this section of Scripture. Before we do that, I need a quick therapy session. Is that okay? Just a quick therapy session for Jason. Um, Usually in therapy sessions, this is a perfect setting for it because usually in therapy sessions, therapy sessions, one person talks and the, the counselors just listen, right? So that's what I'm going to do. You guys just listen while I talk and share all my baggage um, and I'll feel better at the end. So, but honestly, I, want, I do want to confess that there are times more than I would like to admit that I don't treat my wife the way that God would have me do so. That the scripture commands me to, to lay down my life for her. Why is that? Why don't I do that sometimes? Why do, do I know what I should do and not do it, as Paul would say? Why? Because I'm selfish. S straight up, this is my confession. You guys don't even have to, no, Jason, you're not. No, really, I am. I am. And so are you. That is part of our nature. That's who we are. And we have to fight against that. It's the spirit of God inside of us that allows us to rise above that. Otherwise, we will be selfish and treat each other wrong. Right? Also, sometimes, and my wife will attest to this, sometimes I exasperate my children. Parents, has that, has that happened before? 
right? Where it was, it was not needed. I, I have done that. I confess. I stir the pot, my wife says, especially with my youngest child, because she's just like me. Right? Sometimes I treat people with less patience, respect, and honor than they deserve. Sometimes I have found myself internally wrestling with treating people of lower social economic status wrongly or with, with not quite as much respect or honor. Jesus says the first shall be last, the last shall be first. That's hard for me sometimes. Anybody else here? If we're honest with ourselves, why is that? Yes, we have the Spirit of God in us. Yes, we've been created new. We're new creations. Why do I still struggle with this? Well, because we are still working out our salvation. You know, there's still a process of sanctification. We still have to grow in what it means to love one another in Christ. We must fight our natural tendencies and selfish desires to be able to treat each other as Christ would have us with compassion and love and inequality. Inequality, not inequality. Yeah? Okay. So that's why Paul in Ephesians and throughout, throughout his writings over and over and over, should I keep going, and over again tells us how to walk. He says walk in such a way that is pleasing to God. Walk in such a way that, that it's in the way of love. Walk in the way of love, he said. He said walk, what? To walk worthy of our calling. Amy preached two weeks, weeks ago, talking about that, that worthy had this idea of weight, that Christ died for us, and that is weighty. And that our calling, because of what God has done, is weighty. And how we live has weight and substance. And we have to live in such a way that reflects the weight of what Christ has done for us. Paul, over and over again, be imitators of God. Walk in love. Walk in the light. Walk worthy of your calling. Pastor Andy talked Ephesians 5, which was to walk in the way of love, to be imitators of God. And then he ended with this scripture, and this is where we're picking up today, so we are getting into the message. All right? You ready? Ephesians 5.15 starts off with this. It says, be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful. What's, right off the bat, it, you, we'll just stop right there. Very careful. Not a little careful, but very careful how we live. Why? God says how we live is is how we honor him. How we live and treat one another is how people will know that he is good and loving. How we live reflects what God has done in our life. And when it says, when it's giving us this, this kind of almost warning to be careful, it means take heed, take notice. Um, it, it, it's saying, open your eyes and, you know, 
Look at the details. Don't just be flippant about how you live. Don't just go about living. But be careful. Think about how you live. Pay attention to how you are living. Not as unwise, but as wise. It goes on to say, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So it's, it says, pay attention. Be careful. Make the most. What's that? Redeem the time. Take hold of the, the moment that you're living in. Be thankful to God for what's going on and make the most of it. Because our time is short. This is how wise people live. They don't just live, you know, with whatever comes their way. They apprehend the moment and what is happening and walk in it in a, in, in a way with, of purpose. He goes on to say, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is how we will understand what the Lord's will is. And he goes, he, this is setting the stage. He says, understand what the Lord's will is, setting the stage for this next passage. And this next, next little section, verse 18 and 19, is so important for what we're going to read to come when we talk about the relationships between fathers and sons, wives and husbands, masters and slaves. He's setting a, a picture of two different cultures, if you will. He says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and, and, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father in everything. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, do this. So it starts off, says, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. This is what's happening in the culture that he's speaking to. They would get incredibly drunk, and they, this was a form of worship, and they would do all kinds of immoral activities. Debauchery. This was the normal way of living and worshiping. And so then, then Paul gives a, a whole different picture of the way we should embrace a new way of living and worshiping. And he says this, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. God has, when we give our life to Jesus, he comes and he lives inside of us. The scripture says we become his temple, that we become his children, that we are his, bought with a dear price. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't quench it and live however you want. Be directed by the Spirit of God that's in you, and that can come upon you. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and so this is, instead of immorality, encourage one another. Speak to one another. Lift up one another. Build one another up. Worship with one another. Sing with one another. What an what a incredible, you know, 
dichotomy, just this image of here's what's going on, here's how you should live. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you are, this is how you will live. Verse 20 says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. Encourage one another. Give thanks to God. There is one Spirit which governs all men and women and children. God says there's one Spirit that lives in all of us. We are bought with a price by the Spirit who comes and transforms and renews every single one of us, no matter what, kind, what race, what culture, no matter how old or how young. It is one Spirit. Galatians 3, 20, 26, 8, 28 says, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. Thank you, Jesus. For all of you were baptized in Christ, have been clothed yourself with Christ. Christ lives in us. He lives upon us. He clothes us. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For what? For all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. The rich, the poor. This the Spirit of God who lives in all of us. This is the great equalizer. This is what sets us all on the same playing field. It's that Christ has died for us, paid the greatest price, so that he can come and live inside of us and make us his own. This is the great equalizer. That Christ is in us, and that we get to walk in him and know him. This should lead us to blessing and not cursing. This should lead us to thankfulness. This should lead us to worship with one another. This should lead us to treat each other with dignity. This should lead us to honor one another. This should lead us to serve each other. This should cause us to be different than the culture around us. Now and then is what Paul was saying. Because the culture was very different than what he is setting up here. This is revolutionary. This is, this is something that would turn the world, and, and did, turn the world upside down. Okay. We're going to jump in to the next section. This is the transitional verse. That, that goes from Ephesians 4 and 5, practical living, to this next section where he, he talks about three specific relationships. And the, in, in my Bible, the, the heading here is Christian households. He's, it, 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 Paul was talking to Christians that, and specifically within the household structure of the time. And it says this. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Isn't that the picture that he just set up for us? That we are one in God, one spirit lives in all of us, that as a result of that, we should, with humility and service, submit to one another and live in such a way that honors each other, no matter what your status is. That's exactly 
the picture that Paul is trying to, to give the Ephesians church. He wrote this very same thing to the Colossian church as well. While he was imprisoned during that time, and a, a slave came from the Colossian church, who was a runaway slave, and spent time with him while he was writing some of this. I love that, that, that thought, that he was in community at that time writing these words. Regardless of social rank, Christians should pattern their behavior after humility and kindness in Christ. That is how we walk. So as t Paul talks about these three relationships, we have to look at these overarching principles. We're going to touch on them just one more time before we go to the next section. Mutual submission, that we are of one spirit, same value, and that everything we do, and we're going to, you'll see this come out clearly, everything we do, we do unto the Lord. So he says, be very careful how you live. Because you're going to be held accountable. We are going to be held accountable for how we treat one another. He says, be very careful how you live. Paul transforms these questions of husbands, fathers, masters, that at the time were in complete domination in the, in the house, from, domina from, from this idea of domination to an, intim an, an intimate and, and love in Christ how they can imitate Christ. And he, he talks to the wives and children and slaves, and he says, your service is not unto your masters, your earthly masters, but it's unto me. I want this to kind of frame some of our thinking. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12. What you wish that people would do to you do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I love that. He's like, this is the golden rule, right? I mean, everybody knows this one. As you would have somebody do to you, do also to them. That just makes sense. Everybody gets that. It's like, yeah, of course that's how we should live. But he goes one step further. He says, this sums up all of the law and the prophets. Do this. It's kind of like when he says, love God and love each other, and you will have fulfilled all of the law and the prophets. Right? Whew. Yeah. Let's, let's endeavor to, to live that way. All right, so the, the household of the first century in the Greco-Roman world was a hierarchical system. So it, it, was, it was hierarchical. The adult male was firmly entrenched at the top of his wife, of the children, and of the slaves. And again, I want to make sure and get this out there, that that's wrong. This was not a godly system. And Paul doesn't actually try to break down this system outright, even though it wasn't godly. What he does do is he speaks into it to Christians on how we should live within the structures of that society. So here we go. Verse 22. And women, hang with me. Wives, 
submit to your to your submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything Some of you are like, yeah. Others of you are like, man, that's really hard. I just, for me, I'm not a woman. I, I, but I, I don't like that. That's hard for me, right? But again, Paul is speaking into this pre-existing structure. He is not affirming or breaking it down at the time. This is the reality of the time. When we are looking at these relationships, we have to remember also what we have just read and Christ's example. Christ was over the church we just, we just heard, and he reigns over the church, which is Christian believers. When he was here, how did he treat his brothers and sisters? How did he treat the ones who followed him, who walked with him? He served them. He laid his life down for them. He washed their feet, right? He went out of his way over and over again to minister to women. He had them close. They were the first people who went and found the tomb. Christ was countercultural to the extreme. We have to remember that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. This is, this is an extreme, especially during this time, ask. That the husband who was the man of the household, reigned over everything, had complete authority, would lay his life down for his wife. To us now, we're like, yeah, of course, because we've heard it a million times, right? It's like, yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. But this was radical. This was revolutionary. This was, this was, you know, something that was just totally outside of the concept. Husbands, love your wives. And the emphasis, as we see in this, this section, is on the husbands and is on for him to love. This is one of the most extreme connections and calls to follow Jesus in his example is to lay down your life. And that's what he says for us as, as husbands to do. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says this. So Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized in Christ, have been clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither slave or free. There, there is only, we are one in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. This is how husbands must think. This is how the, the authority structure that time had to think. And this was revolutionary. In Matthew, Jesus says, whoever exalts himself must be humbled. Whoever would be great amongst you must be the servant. 
He goes on and continues to make this analogy in comparison to the church and to how husbands treat their wives. And he says a couple, couple things which aren't going to be up there. He says, husbands, you ought to love your wives as your own bodies. Treat them well. He says, feed and care, you feed and care for your own bodies. Do that just as, as you would under Christ. Live in such a way. He says, he goes on to say that the, that the two, he reminds us that the two, the husband and the wife, become one flesh. If we are one flesh, if we hurt ourselves, we, if we hurt the other, we're hurting ourselves, right? We see in verse 33, he wraps this section up, says, however, which is an emphasis, not a takeaway, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect the husband. We can all agree with that right? But none of us, I don't think, agree that, that women should be underneath in subject, some subjection or oppressed by men. We agree that in, in Christ, we have equal value and we must treat each other in such a way. Next section I'm going to go through quick. It says, children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, looking at you. Obey your, your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is that, you will, that things will go well for you and that you will enjoy a long life. Yeah, good. Let, let's practice that. That's a positive. Everybody can agree with that. We feel good about that. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Fathers. Remember the time we're speaking of. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Synonym for in, exasperate is infuriate, infuriate to, to anger, to annoy, to irritate, to madden, to enrage, to antagonize, to provoke, to irk, to vex. <laughs> I have done all those things <laughs> um, in one form or another. He's saying, fathers, this is your propensity. You know, this is what, this is our propensity because we get irritated relatively easily. We want things to be different. And he's saying, fathers, control yourselves. Walk in the spirit. Value your children as they should be. This is for all parents, really. He says in Colossians, the parallel verse is, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Yeah, right? We, we, we would damper their spirits. That's not what we want. We want to see them built up and live fruitful lives and long lives and be happy. Well, here's what we got to do. It says, instead... Bring, instead of infuriating, vexing, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Bring them up gives this idea of nourishing, you know, rising, helping them rise up into who God has created them and should become. Bring them up in the, the instruction that we would, we would shape them through training 
You know, we would shape them through encouragement. We would guide, help guide them through instruction and teaching that they would live long and prosperous lives. Great stuff. So much just wisdom and practical living of, of how we should walk in such a way. When we understand that in Christ, we are, we are one people. That in Christ, everybody has equal value. Children are less than, than parents. Sometimes we treat them that way, though. We have to, we have to treat them val as valuable, and we have to, to sacrifice our life for them. We have to guide them and train them and not squelch them. This next passage talks, to, talks about slaves and masters. Again, during this time, this was part of the culture. This was part of, of what was happening in the Greco-Roman world. There were nearly 5 million slaves through, throughout this world. Most of them would, be, would be, become slaves by conquest. The Romans would conquer an army and they would enslave them and bring them back into their culture or enslave them where they, they, they were and enslave that, those people. This was wrong then. This is, and it was wrong in our country. My, my wife often, often says that it's one of our great sins as a nation, and it is. This is it's wrong in what's happening throughout the world now. It's the, 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 the slavery for children and, and, and girls is, is wrong and disgusting and terrible. Oppressing people is an evil that we should, we should rise up against. But here, Paul is not addressing the institution and the hierarchy of this family structure yet. He's laying seeds of how in Christ, as Christ followers, we're supposed to treat one another. And he does that here when talking to slaves and masters. Nowhere, and some of you probably have wrestled with this. And I have, I have wrestled over this last week with this, trying to understand why the Bible, nowhere in the New Testament or the Old Testament, does not outright condemn this. I don't have a good answer for that. I do know that during the time it was so ingrained in the culture that, that to address that and try to build a church would probably have, you know, caused destruction to both of them, potentially. There, there, we, can, we can hypothesize about why this was, but Paul didn't in here. But what he did do throughout these relationships was he, he addressed the actual people and how they are to relate to one another. The fundamental concepts I want to remind us is that we are one in Christ of equal value and worth. Theologians would say that this was laying 
the principles for the future destruction of this system. But, but what we have to remind ourselves and view this through is that we are in Christ, that we are free in him, he says, and that we actually serve God, not man, no matter what station we find ourselves in. I love, again, I'm going to refer back that Paul, when writing Colossians, which goes through a very, almost the exact same section that we're going to read in a second, Paul, when writing Colossians, most likely had Onesimus, who was a runaway slave, who had taken wealth from, his, from Philemon, who was in the church in Colossians, and was with him at the time. And Paul says, Onesimus has become a brother in the Lord, that he gave his life to him. I have discipled him, and I love him like a son. And I am sending him back with this letter. He wrote, there is a book in the Bible written to Philemon for the advoc advocating for the runaway slave Onesimus. He says, receive him back as a brother. Receive him back, you know, like you're receiving me, he says. And anything he owes, Paul said, I will pay. And then he, re then he reminds Philemon, remember that you owe me your very life. He's like, treat this guy well. You owe me your very life. And, and he, he says, and I hope that you would send him back to me. Because he has been of great service and I love him. What a picture. What a, what, a, what a beautiful book that is written during this time in this culture. And so this is what he writes. Ephesians 6.5 Slaves, obey your ma earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. The emphasis here is obeying Christ. Obey them not only when they have, when, when, obey them not only to win favor in their eyes, when their eyes is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the, will, that the Lord will, will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Again, Christ in us is the great equalizer. The, in Christ, equal, completely equal value, but in this culture, they were not. And these slaves were from, of every race. These slaves often were Romans or Greek people who were there who maybe were socially, economically unable to provide for themselves and put themselves into indentured service. They were of all types of people. It was, it, was, it was wrong to enslave people like this. It was, it was an evil that was taking place. But Paul was saying, in Christ, let's live and look different so that people will see how you treat one another and think something is different. I want and to, that they will know that God loves even the people in that time who is of less worth. That's revolutionary. He goes on to say, and masters, 
Treat your slaves in the same way. We, we, we can gloss right over that. But that was a huge call. He say, he's talking to, to the masters who had complete authority over the slaves at the time. And he says, treat them in the same way I'm calling them to treat you. That sounds like, like in relationship equality. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who, who, who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. We are all under the same Lord. We are all slaves under God, and we are all freed under God. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians 3.11 says, a, re, a renewal says this, renewal in which there is no distinction, that the Spirit has given a renewal that there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or freeman. First Corinthians goes on to say, for by the, the Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we are made to drink of the same Spirit over and over and over again. Paul writes, in Christ we are one. In Christ we, we need to recognize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to make sure that we treat each other with honor, with dignity, with respect, with love. Some of you might, might find yourself in a, in a bad work situation where somebody is lording over you. Treat them with dignity and honor. Be countercultural. Husbands and wives, you might be it, having a difficult time right now. There might be some tension. Hum, humble yourselves. Love each other as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Submit to one another in all things. We might look at some of these scriptures from our 21st century cultural perspective and say, you know, some, we might, might say, man, that what is being talked about between men and women, that's antiquated. That's old fashioned. That's, some of you might think that. You know, of course we look at that and how we treat our children and say, yes, we need to, we need to love our children. But are we willing to humble ourselves and apologize? Are we willing to, to lower our position and come down to them, to, to call them on to what they're supposed to do? Some of us might, we, we, all, we all, I believe, look from our 21st century perspective and say, slavery is wrong. It's wrong. And why is, is, is this happening? Why did it continue to perpetuate? Paul didn't attack the system. He didn't attack the, the hierarchical institutions. But what he did was he radically changed the way people were supposed to treat one another. He radically changed the actual relationships and positions within these structures, in the church. And we, as Christ followers, like I confessed earlier, we all struggle with this. 
We all struggle to submit to one another. We all struggle to walk in humility. We all struggle to treat each other with honor and respect and dignity. We have to remember back the weight, our, the weight that Christ has died for us. It's weighty. And we have to endeavor to live by the Spirit of God and to walk in such a way that is worthy of what Christ has done for us. That's why he says in the very beginning, he says, be very careful. Be very careful how you live. Not like this, but like this, filled with the Spirit. Blessing each other, singing hymns, encouraging each other. That set the stage for everything that was just we just talked about. That is how in Christ, Jew, Greek, slave, freedmen, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. That's how we're supposed to walk and treat each other. That we are one in God. Be careful how we live. Would you stand? God cares. He cares how we treat our spouses. Are we humbling ourselves? Are we encouraging them? Are we lifting them up in the Lord? He cares how children treat their parents and parents treat their children. He cares how within any hierarchical structure, your job, living in a nation, how we treat those structures, both how we treat somebody we're leading and how we treat those who we're being led by. Are we honoring? Are we lifting up or are we tearing down? Are we extending love? Are we extending grace? Do we value them as Christ values us? Lord, help us. Help us walk worthy of what you have done for us. Lord, help us be careful how we live, redeeming the time, taking hold of what's happening, not just living for anything. Help us lift each other up. Help us see each other as brothers and sisters. When we see each other, we see the Spirit of God. God, you have called us to such a great purpose, to such a great life. You've called us to walk together, not just individuals, but together in such a way that brings you honor and glory. Empower us, God. You, you have filled us, and I pray today you would empower us to walk in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.